So it's July 18th. Expansion draft protection lists have been submitted and revealed. And missing from the Colorado Avalanche list is Gabe Landeskog. This is Burgundy Radio, and I am tired. Uh, Y'all want to introduce yourselves for once? It's your resident optimist, Tiger Vixen. (laughs) Good evening, friends. This is Earl. So the latest on Landeskog, in case you've been lucky enough to miss out on this saga, and this came originally from a Blues reporter, but it's been echoed by a few others too, is the Avs and Landeskog are not close. And Gabe's camp wants something in the 9 to $10 million area, like he's after a cute $9.2 million deal or something. I don't know. We're not going to talk here about what the Avs offers or allegedly are, because the only thing I've seen reported publicly is numbers from like a year ago. Um, but either way, nine to ten million is nuts. So Landis Gog remains unsigned next year. Am I wrong in feeling like this came out of left field? As far as what? It, it does feel that way. It, it feels like everyone's a little surprised. I and who knows? I mean, it only the, the parties themselves know how much of a surprise this is. But it just. Especially with both of them publicly saying, oh, yeah, we want to have him back. I want to be back. It it just seemed like no problem. And then all of a sudden it's like, first of all, why is it so public? And then Landy's saying he wished it was done a year ago. So why wasn't it done a year ago? It, It does feel like it's taken a sharp turn. I mean, I'm not surprised by much of this. Um I mean, in any negotiation, the the buyer is going to get his best deal at the last minute. Um, And I do think the Avs, you know, they they really do want to get this as low as possible. And and even, you know, a couple hundred thousand a year makes a difference over time. Um, So sort of leaving it to the last minute doesn't bother me that much. Um, I, I mean, I wish it was different, but it just, the, you know, you, you really can't change sort of the psychological the dynamics of negotiating. <clears throat> um, I guess... If you, want, if you want to put your tinfoil hat on, um, this could just be theater for sort of telling Seattle to, you know, not mess over the next few days um, that he's asking for too much and it's just, you know, it's not a good place for them to go and it'll allow them to protect Logan O'Connor, um, which basically leaves, you know, sort of two obvious choices uh, exposed in, in Don's going comfort, which, you know, I'm sure the Avs would love to get rid of one of those guys' salary. So if, if they're kind of, if the goal was to steer them towards making a, a choice between two guys that either way the abs are going to win, it, it, this looks like genius. Um, but it's like you have to you have to buy a lot of stuff and, and definitely put on the tinfoil hat to believe that. And you also have to think that, that, for one, it's worth protecting Logan O'Connor to do all this. And for two, that Seattle would have Just taken cheaper. Would have, so that Seattle would have taken Logan O'Connor with at least one of Don Squier Comfort available. It's, it's it depends possible. on, yeah it, it it depends on how they they're valuing players and how they're valuing cap space. Um, you know, and Jackie's mentioned you know McDonald is a is a great 
option if you don't want to spend a lot of money and take someone from the abs. Um, but it's like if you do want an NHL player, they're basically looking at a choice between Comfer and Donskoy. Yeah, and and, and we're going to get to that um, when we talk about the the Avs whole protection situation. Um, so yeah, I'll um, I'll save my thoughts for that. Yeah. Go going back but, to the but, landing but, thing but with Gabe, but with Gabe being contentious about this at least publicly, that sort of freed up a, an extra space for them to protect O'Connor. And really railroad the choices right into two players that make three and a half to four million dollars. If but this also... is a gamble in the galaxy brain area, now you've opened up Seattle to what if they want to give Gabe Landeskog nine million dollars? Well, I mean, the you know, when I had my tinfoil hat on, it, the thought was is that there is a deal done with Gabe in the drawer and this is just theater. But then you look at, say, Ovechkin, like it, his. Like everybody knows his deals in the drawer, and there there's no games. Like it seems like you don't have to pull off an elaborate scheme to have deals in the drawer. Like it's going to be more than just Ovechkin as well. We're I'm sure we're going to see several UFAs that were not protected sign with their teams next week. So you could say this is just to make it look like these things are happening, but. I, it's just, it's been way too much, I think. My question is, is that they left Landy unprotected, but they protected Grubauer. So that way it doesn't make me feel like it's so much strategy. Is it a message to Landy then? Is it to say, you you think you're so important, like that we won't walk away from you? Well, look. Here, we're leaving you unprotected. I'm not really worried about Seattle. Yes, they can call him and make him a big offer. He knows he's going to get very generous offers on the market. He could potentially be the best player on the market that nobody expected would make it. Like He's the kind of player other teams will change their plans for. So I don't see there's any way that even if he hears a crazy number from Seattle, that he's going to take it. Because if you're that close to ufa in your prime as a good player why would you give that up why would you give up hearing about from 30 other teams all their situation like so much better situations even if you don't believe seattle's going to be terrible he's going to have so many a ton of better teams to choose from too first of all i think you have to be kind of nutty to believe seattle's going to be terrible anyway I mean, I don't think you're looking at a Vegas who's going to go straight to the Stanley Cup final. Um, but when you look at the quality of players who are available, and when you look at the quality or lack thereof in the Pacific Division, like the the Kraken should be a default playoff team, and they could yeah. they could finish second in that division. And like supposedly I, I the, the, the rumor is that he kind of already told LA like no thanks, like they were one of the ones that supposedly is lining up and it's already been told like don't get too excited <laughs> <laughs> so you know he he knows that there's choice out there so i'm not that worried you know if if that's what it comes to then he was gonna leave anyway the, the seattle thing that it's like three days it's three days and it's one team versus for like a whole market a whole market of 30 teams and just 10 days later, 10 days later from now, 
he could talk to every team. Like Seattle is just such a it it's like a distraction. It that's not the real problem. The real problem is him leaving. Yeah. And it again, like I've said before, Joe Sackett can come in at the last moment and you know hit whatever Landy's offer is on the twenty seventh and it gets done before he goes to free agency. Um so where I where I feel that, like we were wrong is that we didn't realize like an unsigned UFA, the Avs have never been able to keep a guy that's been on the brink. Like everyone they've kept has been a well, year early. And why yeah, did but we I mean, just it, assume it would you're, be okay? You're talking about what, like Paul Stastny and who else? Well, any, I mean, it, the other thing is they've made decisions on guys. You know, it was Barry and O'Reilly and Sidorov. Like all those guys they knew they weren't going to keep and they did something about it a year ahead of time. That's the part that drives me the craziest about it. It's like, I know you have to make decisions at some point you can't pay everybody you need to make tough decisions you can't just get into a situation like this and potentially have landy walk now i know people would say there's no way they would have just like traded him at the deadline but we're not talking about picks here we're talking about look at the guys that they have traded that they knew they weren't retaining and they got something for them like, if you got an actual useful player in Kadri for Barry, what could you have gotten for Landy if you had just made, if you knew that it wasn't going to work out a year ago? Oh, we we see would... deals like this happen all the time, where a team talks to their player, and it's really clear that the, that the relationship is over, and they're not going to be able to sign an extension, so they say, okay, go ahead, um, who's it, Zach Hyman, and go talk to other teams. And see what you might be able to negotiate, and then we'll see if we can trade your rights and not get nothing out of it. Well, I mean, at this point, I'm not saying I just want, like, a, a sixth-round pick for his rights. Like, you figure this out a year ahead of time. Sure. It's going to but... be the same thing with McKinnon. He damn well better be signed next summer, or else you need to make another plan, because they cannot... The thing is, right, if you're... If, in this situation if you're... With McKinnon. If you're asking Landy to resign last summer, it's like you're like, so you know, what do you think? And he's going to be like, I'm thinking eight years by ten million. And you know, it's well, like, where you, do you go you from there? Because there's, n- but there, but there's nothing to put pressure on the negotiation. It's like you've got a year. Well, other team that you make your decision, you figure out if if you are going to sign a guy or not. Right? Like you're, I get it. You're looking a year into the future, but. Not everybody has every single day until they walk out the door. Like at some point, people have to make a decision, and they made and they made a decision well, this, on all these other guys. Well, should they trade Kadri then? Yeah, Kadri's I mean, not Landy. Like if he I know, walks, but uh, I mean, he's going to be a, he's going to walk in a year. You know, they're not going to trade him, and during the season, really care, do you really care about his value? I mean, it's stuff. I mean, they need stuff. We know this. They'd be selling really low on Kadri is the the main issue there. You'd you'd be uh, Gabe had just just scored a tremendous number of points, um, for several seasons in a row. I mean, yeah, guys walk. Sod's gonna walk. Maybe. Yeah, (laughs) Kadri. So what? Yeah, they let they let guys walk, but you can't let a he Gabe is like a franchise player. 
you, you just don't right. let those guys walk out the door. You, my point is you have to know what is happening with those guys. You don't just wing it. And if the thing is going to be about McKinnon, if they, they will not recover as a franchise if he walks out the door. And they get nothing. The thing I'm saying with Landy is they know this. So it's like they basically, whatever the offer is on the 27th, they're, they pretty much have to pay it. Well, we'll see. I guess we'll see. This will be the test. Can you get a guy that's on the brink of free agency to sign with you? Is he going to be the Stamkos where at the end of the day he says, okay, I'm staying? Or is he going to walk out the door? I mean, we see deals I mean, like yeah, that I every year, we'll too, it. where the big free agent is signed on June 30th by their by their team. Like, it, it happens every year. So yeah. maybe this will be the year that Colorado finally makes it happen. We'll see. Right. I, but it's just I, I don't think the negotiations are as contentious as they may seem from media and social media reports. Um, and I do think that. You know, basically, the Avs' plan is to let it go as as long as possible and get their best deal, which is going to be at the last minute. Probably so. It, it and is. there's a big difference in in how Landeskog's negotiations are being presented, as opposed to say um, Vlad Tarasenko's, whose relationship with the Blues has been described in great detail as completely unrecoverable. <laughs> like, there, there's degrees here. This this may yeah. not be over even though i am right with y'all in being extremely worried well it to me it's funny the contrast between grubauer now is it because the abs feel like they could pretty much get him signed whenever they feel like it or is it they don't really care that much like if it's true that they were pretty close to pulling the trigger on a kemper trade then that means they really don't care that much about signing grubauer or do they just know what yeah, it'll then, take, I and mean, then they can wait around and see if there's something better they can come up with, and then if they don't, then they just know the magic number to say to his people, and he'll sign. I think that's it. Basically, you know, they they have that one negotiated as close as they need it to be at this point. <clears throat> um, you know, it, with Grubauer saying that he does want to stay and does want to, you know, continue on with the team and and you know, play for Stanley Cups or, or get close like they have been. Um, you know, when we saw him at Coors Field taking batting practice and playing in a celebrity softball game and things like that, I mean, it's like he's pretty invested in sort of being public um, right now. So he doesn't seem to be worried. Yeah, it seems like he likes the team. It seems like he likes the city. Um, I, I had a dream last night that I saw Grubauer coming out of a Walmart in Denver. <laughs> so that's, I think it's all pretty clear proof that yeah. he wants to be here and will will likely stay here. The, the Of course, the, the potential Kemper deal was kiboshed by Arizona making a different goalie trade, um, which we'll get to. But but yeah, that the, the radio silence on Grubauer is completely different from from Landis Goggs, and that's where you do have to kind of read some of those tea leaves like yeah he's he's being very much a part of the community in denver which he is not from so yeah i mean it's like it, it would have been real easy for him to pack up and go back to germany for most of the summer but you know he's here <clears throat> or, well you'd also say denver. like he he just he lives here right now so it's you know like some guys they just live where they live but it's one thing to go to Vale. It's another thing to show up at the Rockies All-Star Game as Avalanche goaltender and talk to media. Which... Yeah. 
you know, that theoretically two weeks away from there. leaving the team permanently, you know, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. So, well, hopefully the abs aren't taking that one too much for granted. And then, I mean, he could get pissed off too. Like once this expansion drafts over, you know, he's probably going to be like, all right, let's, let's get on with it. Like he could get pissed off too. And then say, all right, you know, I'm going to market because he doesn't have to worry about getting a contract from somebody. There's a market out there for him too. I mean that I don't I mean if you want to keep Grubauer, letting him get to market is kind of disastrous cuz who's a better goalie who's going to to market than than Philip Grubauer? Uh <laughs> like, like that's a dude who's going to get overpaid by necessity if you let him make it to market. That he needs to sign on the on that last on that deadline like you're talking about for Landeskog. That's a, that's the deadline for Grubauer where he's going to get his suddenly see his salary like double. Um Yeah. But yeah, what I don't want to hear is the expansion drafts over, then nothing, and then you start hearing the rumors, well, such and such team is preparing to offer Grubauer six years or whatever. You start hearing that crap, and then you're like, okay, they're not keeping him either. Right. It just, I, I don't, I, it, I, I mean, maybe they're just being oblivious to all this stuff, but it, it really does seem like this is something that is pretty close and, and all they have to do is pull the trigger on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so. It's just that might not be the case forever. <laughs> yeah, things change. I think that with the Landeskog situation, we don't have any like five alarm worries about him actually walking until either A, it happens, or B, the Avs resign Brandon Sod. Those, those are your yeah. alarms. Uh, otherwise, or, it's just, or, let's continue to worry reasonably. Yeah, I mean, and the abs are in a cap crunch. It's not, it's probably not as bad as most people think. Um, but it's, it's something that they're going to have to deal with. And, and I think their, their cap issues are probably more down the road when Mac has to resign. Mm-hmm. Um, not, well, not that they it, aren't squished a little bit right now, right? But well, it, it it could be worse then because Mac could really get a big number if he if he wants to go that way. Which is another reason why they should not try to play chicken with that one. <laughs> yeah, if you want to keep not that guy, you pay him what he's owed. Yeah. Well, and don't wait until he's days away from getting twelve, thirteen, etc. million, but. It's an interesting philosophical debate because if you really are going for it right now, do you really care what Landy's making in six, seven, eight years? I don't. No. And I, I don't like even with McKinnon's contract, like I, I think there's what, like three guys that are on the roster right now that are signed then and uh, you know, some prospects that, that are still Right, it's, it's under contract like, and RFA Miko rights. And Sam, that's like it. Yeah, that's it's really, right. Miko, Sam, and Taves. Right, yeah, so they can the manipulate any term. Right, they can manipulate what they need to manipulate to get McKinnon there and, and figure figure the rest out later. Um, and and you know they'll know Makar's contract hopefully by then. Um, so, you know, it's it, that that's you know that's something you're you're going to be leaving room for McKinnon and. You know, how, however Byram goes over the next year, we don't know. But 
um, you know, that that's going to be another guy that's going to need a contract at, at the same time. Um, but the it's just, you know, is... you, you have a lot of flexibility in the distance. So it's. And there's options. You know, if worrying you about to... what Landy makes, you know, as long as it's not really bad, like, yeah, 10 million would be bad. Um, that's too much. Um, there's but... other things you could do. You could buy out guys. You, I mean, or you could bridge them a car. I mean, if you need two, three something million maybe yeah, i don't think they're worried about mccarr's contract now i think they can deal with a large number for the next two years but i'm it's just saying like that. if you have to you have to bridge them to make it work now that's what other teams do if you have to bridge a guy to make it you'd work be bridging now to the do. same year mckinnon needs a new contract though <laughs> <laughs> two three years mccarr has five rfa years left see you could do three years you could do three or four if you really wanted to yeah you don't really want to do four you don't want to leave him with one because then he could just arbitrate one year and be a free agent so that'd be pretty you kind of want to leave that buffer but three years yeah. would be fine and you'd have two rfa years and then the abs would still have a lot of control in that situation so i don't love bridges like i would prefer to have one car signed eight years just have it done Right. Pay him a good amount of money and just have it done. But it's not the end of the world if they have to bridge him, save a few million now. I mean, that's what you have to do. If you think you can win a cup, those are things that teams do to make it work in the short term. But I, I mean, I, I just, I don't think there's crunched for space right now as most people think. It's like, they, all right, you see the 26 million number, but it's like, all right, EJ's probably not going to play at least at the beginning of next year. So you've got his LTIR. That's adding six million. You're going to lose, hopefully, one of one of uh, Don Square or Comfer, and there's another three point five to three point nine. So right, like there's options. They don't have these albatross contracts like other teams do. Yeah, and part of that is because they have been smart with the money and and yeah. things like that. But if you think that your time is now, you do kind of have to make some, okay, we need to kind of like pay these guys' decisions. And I appreciate looking for the longer term because, you know, next year always comes up. But this is what I hate, the whole like cup or bust, we're all in. You can't literally be all in every single year. Like that is not the definition of all in. And so the following year is going to, is going to come up. Are people going to not want to win in 2022? Of course not. It just keeps going and going and going. Yep. 31 so. teams lose the cup every just single not season. feeling it this year. <laughs> I, I mean, you joke, but look at Minnesota in a couple seasons. Well, that's true. Minnesota might really. But see, they could say they're all in actually mean it. They, they can say we're all in right now and then a couple seasons okay we're gonna suck for a minute get some draft picks and then be right back at it in a couple seasons. But that's why it's just so dumb when you hear like oh but you're supposed to be cup or bust this year and it's like but we're still cup or bust. Like, 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 just... like cup or bust is a, is a mentality it's not a thing you actually try to do for one season because 31 teams lose the cup every single year you're not like if you are in the final four to eight you've done your job. Yeah. Right, so and, I appreciate and, them wanting to have it four or five years, and I think they can. This is Earl's point. Like, they're not completely screwed 
some teams think that when they have to pay McKinnon, they're going to have like nothing. And that's almost like the opposite of, then why would you bother paying McKinnon 12, 13 million? <laughs> if you have absolutely nothing around him, then what's the point? Yeah. They, yeah. And they've kind of caught that in a situation. <laughs> yeah. No, but, and I think Mac realizes that too. And I'm not saying he's going to take a a, pay, a a big haircut just because you know he wants to win. I I think he's he would be willing to take some one. Some, I think he needs oh, to see at least ten and be in that echelon. But I don't think he's going to sit there and say I have to be paid more than McDavid. Yeah, earlier Mike's doing weird stuff. I mean, we saw McDavid do the exact same thing, which was say, okay, you don't have to give me fifteen million dollars a season, even though it's obviously what I'm worth. Right. Yeah, maybe we should have taken a little less so they could have better players, but it probably yeah. But but I think there is a happy medium between being like, okay, you're you're totally not just going for next year, then after that you're screwed. Like you do have to be mindful. But there are things that you do where you say, you know what, if we have to overpay this guy by a million or something, like we'll make it work. If you're overpaying your best players, that's I think that's fine, and we'll have this. We can yeah. have this conversation in depth come the free agency show. But the, the players you overpay are the McKinnons, are the McDavid's. Like it's 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 situations like three point five million dollars JT Comper that that really holds your hands behind your back at the end of the day, or a three point one million dollars to Ryan Graves, which we're going to get to next. Um... So it's it sounds like the three of us generally think there's still a better chance than not that a Landeskog deal happens in Colorado, and that is something that the NHL's hockey men seem to agree with as well. Um, I, so we're, I we're the optimistic podcast now. Yeah. yeah. Right, what? Right. <laughs> what kind of? I think it's going to come down to him. I mean, this is a. I think it is going to be tough for him to walk away. Like, he's playing games, too, right? Like, he's trying to get the best offer. Yeah, sure. He's yeah. going to have to decide, does he really want to walk away from this team in this situation? And, you know, the part of me that feels pessimistic is just because they haven't done it. Like, they haven't proven. Right. Until they done, you, there's always a doubt. But your mic is still but doing weird things. But it just seems like there's there ha there's enough mutual interest here. There, there and there is enough. I would overpay a little bit for him. There is a walk away. Like when you start talking about ten million, you just you have to step away. But ten million just, is LOL. Any team that gives Landeskog yeah. ten million dollars can have him. But it just still seems like there there is enough overlap. But every every day that goes by, it, he's just closer to here. I mean, if he gets to the twenty eighth, it's over. But. We're still 10 days away from that, so... I mean, even though we say that, we look at, like, the list of teams that were allegedly interested, for according to... I mean, according to the Blues reporter, it was Toronto <laughs> who can't afford them, Florida who can't afford them, Tampa who can't afford them, Vegas who can't afford them, the Isles who can't afford them, and St. Louis. Like, okay, <laughs> I see what you're doing here. Yeah, and maybe it's kind of like when, they, when the abs are linked to, like, Suter or, you know, all kinds of people, and it's just like, well, with what money? In a way, like I said earlier, in a way, he is a guy you make room for. So some of those teams probably would move out or switch around something or not sign somebody. Like the Islanders now have money. They still have guys to pay, but they have a lot more space than they did a week ago. Like, like some teams could maneuver a little bit more than others. But we'll see. 
So at, at the end of the day, if, if a final deal with Colorado comes in, what would you think would be a fair kind of number? Like the, Colorado's the only team that can offer him eight years, other than Seattle, if Seattle want to do that. Um, they just haven't paid anybody eight. I have a hmm. time feeling like that's going to be the happy medium. I almost... I was hoping for like seven million six years. With it being this crazy, that's probably out the window. Maybe something in the seven year seven ish range. I was thinking of it last night. If eight by eight was what it took, I would, I would do it. I, I'm not in love with eight by eight, but I would do it. Anything more than that, I think you really, you, you. But then you're saying, okay, is it 8.1? Would you say no to 8.1? Would you say no to 8.2? But that's that's pretty close. That's pretty close to my limit. Well, that's, that's exactly what they're doing eight. right now. Yeah. I mean, if he wants but nine you, by eight, you, no, no. Do you think it's going to take eight years to get it done? No, I don't, because the abs don't. Yeah. I, and he's not getting eight if he goes to market too. Like he could See, get eight I, from I would... Seattle right now, but I. The, to me, Seattle, that's like fake. That, that's almost just like like the boogeyman. It's not real. <laughs> what Seattle can offer him, what the, what's real is what, you know, the Blues and the Islanders, etc. So, no, I don't think it'll take eight because, A, the Avs have never done it. Like, they can say, hey, EJ didn't take eight, McKinnon didn't take eight, Nico didn't take eight. I don't really think eight's the sticking point. So. I, I think I'd I'd like to see something like six years, and it's probably going to be a little bit more money-wise than you know than than we'd like. But I, I think the term is probably a little bit better. You know, six by eight point five would be nice. Yeah, that uh, would that'd be acceptable. I still think if it happens, it's going to be like seven by seven something. Maybe the high sevens, maybe seven eight. Whatever is more than Nugent Hopkins, I think was his 41 million so whatever gets you to 42 and above maybe that's important to say hey look it's a better contract than him or whatever how mad do you think I Gabe is at Ryan Nugent Hopkins <laughs> <laughs> like, that well, deal sucks for Gabe Landeskog UFAs like comparables really kind of only matter to RFAs not UFAs like his comparable is whatever the best offer is out there yeah <laughs> pretty much but and still sure that that gives the abs a, a starting point it's like okay well why isn't this good enough but i'm, I'm kind of where whatever. you are though with, with eight by eight being like god that sucks but i'll put my name on it you know yeah that that that's kind of where my where my map absolute maximum would be too and i would also prefer it to be seven either on million or term but that apparently isn't going to get it done. Any, any, like I said, anybody that wants to give Landeskog the nine point two million dollars for seven years, good luck. Like I just don't think the Avs are going to do nine by seven, like nine million by seven years. I just, I don't think they will. If oh. he stays, it's not going to be that much. Amico ranted and signed for nine point two five annual cap hit. And he signed that deal when for his what twenty two year old season, I think. Yeah, he's just Landy's not going to get into the Makar Miko echelon on this team. It's not happening. Yeah. They definitely won't do nine million. 
Well, if you look at total contract value, seven by nine is actually less than eight point eight by eight. So, yeah, there you go. Pick your poison there. <sighs> I went. From... I don't think they'd love it. I don't think they'd love eight by eight. I'd actually be a little surprised if they did eight by eight. I I would too, but I'm afraid that's what it's going to take here. Yeah. So I went. I don't know about y'all. Uh, once. Once we had our last show and the abs were done, I basically didn't think about hockey until the beginning of this week. Um, and all of a sudden, there was nothing but hockey discourse. So there's there's kind of a lot, um, but there, there's been a lot to get into. We ready to move on from the Gabe angle of it? Because I think I am. Yeah, I am too. So the Avs' final protected list doesn't have Landeskog on it, and we'll get to the full list in a minute, but we need a little more context to get there, because earlier this week, the Avs traded defender Ryan Graves and his $3-plus million cap hit to the New Jersey Devils in exchange for the New York Islanders' second this year, which is 61st overall, and Mikhail Maltsev. Uh, we'll talk in a second about good or bad. First of all, what's a Mikhail Maltsev? If you haven't seen the goal he scored last year against the Rangers from his knees, you need to. It's hilarious. I've pinned it in the Avs Talk channel in the Burgundy Review Discord if you need a quick source for it. Uh, so y'all tell us what you know about this player because that's all I know about this player. Is That goal was awesome. <laughs> I had not heard of him when this trade happened, but I did enough recon. I, there was actually an archived Devils game on the NHL app because, you know, all those free games you can still access if anybody doesn't know that. Hmm. So if we end up getting a player, I can usually go back and watch them on that. And he was in one of the, he played 33 games with the Devils and he was in that one. So I was able to watch him. Um, I got, he's getting labeled as a prospect. And I guess technically he is because he's on an ELC and he is still waiver exempt, which I'm sure the Gavs love. But he's like a, he's going to be like a fourth liner on this team. I can just see it now, him playing with O'Connor. Like he's the, Wing slash center, like he can play center. I don't. I don't think they're gonna pencil him in as the four C, but he can. Um, he's a big guy. He's, he skates good enough. Um, but he, for usually guys like that size, don't have that try hard. Like you need smaller guys like O'Connor to have the real try hard. <laughs> and he does kind of have a bit of a motor. Like he's he's good at protecting the puck. He's good along the boards. Like you could just envision that Bednar's gonna love this if you find um, a big guy with a tryhard now you're looking at like Chris Pronger or somebody of that caliber like well, you're right it's a, it's it's a little not, rare <laughs> yeah we're we're talking fourth liner here but you know he's he seemed good enough like it's tough to tell defensively because the devils were terrible but I wouldn't say the mistakes were primary you know they weren't like his bad so that was good to see um he has, he plays with like this enormously, like he's a tall guy, like he's 6'3", and he plays with a lot. He almost looks like he's using a defenseman stick. And it's almost kind of like, if maybe you had a shorter stick, you could control the puck a little bit better. But <laughs> his hands are, de his hands are pretty good. Like he can gather the puck in traffic and he likes to shoot. He just doesn't necessarily have like the strongest shot. So that could be a little bit of an issue, but um like someone compiled all his six goals and two of them were empty net goals. And then yeah, hey. 
<laughs> and then I think the first and the last one were in the middle ones. Like one was a backhand when a couple were shot from distance. So, you know, he has a little bit of capability there to provide offense. So I'm pretty much fine with them getting him. Like they're going to use him. He's cheap. He's like $800,000. You know, why not? Better than going out and re-signing Calvert or something. So that's Did he get any special teams time? Um, no, he didn't. No, I looked it up. He only played like five minutes total on the PK. So it's hard to tell if if he has any ability there, even though Benner probably will try it. He's big. He can PK. (laughs) Probably. God, his his stick is long. Put him in the middle. Tell him, tell him (laughs) yours one job. It's not let that puck go across. Like, I was asking some Devils fans, you know, what did you think of him? And it, some of them still feel like he has upside. Like, he's kind of thought of he could be a second or third liner. He's, he's 23. They were, they just, were, for, just for context, right. he's 23. There, there could be a little bit of a Burakovsky kind of miracle there, I guess. I mean, it's possible. And, and they weren't, like, ready to get rid of him. They just... They have a lot of younger players, so they'd probably rather see those guys. But like they were expecting him back and to be in the same role, so this wasn't like a total dump or anything like that. So I just see it as the Abs bought themselves a cheap fourth liner that could probably fit their system. So I'm positive on it. Earl sounds like you knew about as much as I did. <laughs> um. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, I, I think when you look at the value for the trade, it's like you're getting what looks to be a potential NHL player plus a second rounder for Ryan Graves and, and getting rid of his salary. So you're you're losing, you know, two point two million on the on the cap sheet for this year, and that's nice. Um, you, you get a draft pick in a in a draft where you only had three picks, so I mean that's really nice too. Um, sixty first is basically that- a third, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, this is a really good value trade. And, you know, a lot of people were saying, like, gee, that, you know, that that's not very much for Ryan Graves. And I'm like, uh, you know, I think that's pretty fair value. I mean, he's a, you know, Graves is a decent defenseman. I don't think he's going to work any miracles, especially not on Jersey's top pair. But, you know, I, I think it'll help them out and it'll help the abs out. So. Well, it definitely depends on what you thought of Graves. Like, some people really thought he was truly, like, Top an AHL oh. <laughs> well it runs the gamut right like some yeah people thought he was like basically top hair and they'd rather have him than like Sam or some other craziness other people think he's like a bum and he should go to the AHL so it really depends what you what you think of him and he for me he was an NHL player I think he's better suited as like a five but you can play him as a four and probably do fine like a lot of teams aren't gonna have four better defenseman than him like new jersey certainly doesn't but the risk is he he can get overextended so you have to yeah. be careful you have to use him right like he's not a minder for the children he needs to play with somebody that has puck skill like he's not going to be a big physical bruiser like just seems like everyone sees six five like he's going to really be that guy and they're going to see it's not a big hitter so except when he is and when right, he actually mad. <laughs> when he actually connects on one, it's pretty legit. Yeah, because he he's a big boy, but um, you know, the... I'm in, like in the middle. Like I I didn't hate Graves. I will I, 
I want to see what the reaction is because I will tell you right now, they are not going to just roll with Byram Timmons and a broken down EJ and call it their decor. So, so let's see what um, their their uh, next move to this is because they're not done with the defense, and that's going to also ultimately color my opinion of this. But as far as value and just say like getting a second is, is big. Like they go for real players that have value, so. Am I a little surprised they got a second? Kind of. But I don't know. So I'm in the middle. I think this is like a solid B. Like, I don't think they ran away with it. But I, I think both sides kind of got what they wanted out of it. And the Avs could have lost them for nothing. And so I, yeah, I, I mean, think it's it, fine. It, Taves wasn't signed or anything. So it, it's a little hard to compare. But, I mean, the 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 returns are very similar. You know, the the second round picks are (laughs) pretty much right next to each other. And then you have, you know, another second next year for Taves and then Maltev. Right. Like he's probably not worth a second, but sure, it's not far off. You could look at the other defense trades that were made, like the Duncan Keith one. Oh, we'll do that. We'll we'll do that. (laughs) We'll totally do that. No, but I'm just saying that like... Like the the value for Graves and Taves is you know it's it's pretty on paper it's fairly similar with these trades and and we know that's not the case right so you know th- this is this seems like a pretty good return for Graves yeah R- Ryan Graves is a okay NHL defender he he has plenty of upside he has plenty of downside he's a big body but the main thing he hits is the puck because it's he's blocking shots um, he shoots way too much um, but. Mostly an okay defender. Depth defender, I, the Avs have a billion of those, and they need to get them out of Bowen Byram's way, and they don't have a whole lot on the depth forward side, so they trade a fine NHL defender for a depth forward and a second. I don't know what people are complaining about, other than that they love Ryan Graves, and he won't be an Av anymore, and I feel for you. I mean, that's, yeah. that's that sucks. Yeah, if the result is that Byram is for sure like a regular, that's what I want to see. So, and I, I like that the abs were proactive. I complain about it a lot. I don't like it when they're reactive because then, then you tend, you tend to give up stuff. So did they just get word that Seattle was going to take graves? They just feel that way. Did they think he was expendable and you might as well take advantage of the market? I don't know, whatever. I like that they were proactive because this is an organization that needs assets. I'm not convinced well, I think they're one, making once that again, this, this, this steers Seattle directly towards Comfort or Donskoy. Well, that that too. The, the more options you take off the table for them, that helps. And then I don't personally, right. I'm not sure they're making that second round pick. But if they need to go out and buy something to backfill, at least they're using something they just got and not from the few things that are left. Yeah, so let, let's go ahead and go straight into that expansion draft angle of it, because um, with Graves dealt and Eric Johnson's no-move clause waived, uh, that leaves Colorado protecting seven forwards, which are Andre Barakovsky, Tyson Jost, Nazem Kadri, Nathan McKinnon, Valeria Chuskin, Logan O'Connor, and Miko Rantanen. And three defenders, Sam Gerard, Caleb Carge, Devon Taves, big surprise there. Uh, Philip Grubauer takes the goalie spot because no other NHL goalies in the system are eligible, and you're, you're not going to protect... Jojo or Miska. That leaves JT Comfer and Jonas Donskoy both exposed. 
And unless Seattle signs Landeskog, I don't think there's a more obvious selection than Donskoy. There really isn't. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I mean, they, they could galaxy brain it. They could take McDonald. There's, you know, there's some potential there for an older player, but, um, you know, that's, that's basically what it comes down to is, is it's either Don Square or Comfer, and then sort of on the periphery, you've got Landy or McDonald. Um, but well, I mean, that, that's a great place for the abs to be in. Yeah. And I'm sure that they're hoping that, and it's, it's good that they exposed the two they needed to. Now, they they were pretty limited because they had few signed NHL forwards to expose. O- O'Connor barely made it, but like we've all been speculating, if they want money taken, then you you can't just protect one of them. You, you have to leave both of them exposed. But the thing is, is looking at the list today, who Seattle has, they have some real NHL forwards. Like they could get Eberly, they could get a like Yarncroc from Nashville. Like there's some actually useful NHL forwards when you're starting to look at is Don Scoy the best use of $4 million? What's available to them? Now, like McDonald's cheap. I think he's below the league minimum. He has good analytics. It probably does, also doesn't take a genius to figure out. It's a pretty small sample size. Yeah. You are hoping for a lot of voodoo magic in there. Like, even Bednar started using him less and less, but he's a completely benign choice. Like you, you take him, he costs nothing. If you end up even having to waive him, like, so what really? It just depends. Like, are they looking for an NHL forward from the Avs or do they have better choices? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's really hard to say. I mean, you know, what you can look at is that, that Donskoy scored 17 goals in 51 games this year. That's that's one every three games. So, um, you know, that's nice to have. That's that's nice to know you have that ability in the bank um, at a fairly reasonable price. And I, I know $4 million sounds like a lot for Donskoy to some people. <laughs> Probably, I mean, you know, it, it really is, is for but... the abs, but, you know, maybe it isn't for Seattle. Well, the other thing is that's also not their only avenue of getting NHL players on their team next year. Like they can do, they can partake in free agency too, or there might be some other sort of side deals or what they end up flipping some of these guys for. So it's not like Don is one of their only chances of getting somebody to score. Now, if I had to, do I have to guess and bet right now, you know, am I, would I put my bet on McDonald? Maybe not like, Donskoy probably is the best player the Avs have available. But there's going to be a lot of different ways that Seattle approaches spending this money. Right. And I don't think it's a slam dunk that they're going to want to spend $4 million. Like, could they find better through all their options for $4 million? I think they can. And that's something they're going to have to weigh. Yeah, I mean, they could punt on the Avs. They could take, like, Kamenev or something like that. And just, right, you know, or Saad and not sign. They, yeah, they could do anything. They could take nothing. And you say that's crazy. Like, they're the President's Trophy winning team. How can you not want anything from that team? But it's just the reality of what's available. I mean, signing Saad is not a bad option if he'll sign. Yeah. That's a, that's yeah, a good player. Just to, just to play devil's advocate for a second on Comfer, I mean, I you know, I, obviously he's... 
he's sort of on a downtrend and definitely didn't have a good year this year. Um, and we all know that he's not a center, but it, it does say C next to his name on the NHL website. So, you know, <laughs> if, if you're looking for a center, um, that might be attractive to them. They might think he's a bounce back candidate and that his you know, analytics in their are so system. Bad. I know. Like they were yeah. bad last year. Like you can't even just say like, like, oh boy. Like he had a 25% shooting percentage to get at his production this year. Like that's insane. <laughs> yep. The analytics would say he probably should have scored like five goals. It's just, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how a team that, that is supposedly so invested in analytics is going to look at him and think that that's a good buy. But I know. I'm, I'm just using the, the center just, angle because that, that seems to be important I, to some people. I mean, if, if Seattle took JT Comper, there are people that they hired whose friends would cyberbully them off Twitter. JT Comfer makes $3.5 million Jonas Donskoy who is what teams think JT Comfer could be makes $3.9 million why? Yeah. but sure it's possible there's many different people that make decisions in an organization and if one of them says we need a center we have to do this and all all the guys with the, the printouts say but wait it doesn't matter so we we can hope. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it just it, it, that that would probably be one of the lesser likely options out of what we're looking at. So mo- most likely Jonas Donskoy, very unlikely JT Comfer, uh, dark horse for um, Jacob McDonald, and dark horse for signing a left winger who is unsigned. I think that's a fair way to put it. Yeah. And that's where we find the Avalanche going into this expansion draft. They have Gabe Landeskog, unsigned and unprotected. Philip Grubauer, protected but unsigned. Ryan Graves, a devil. Eric Johnson, unprotected with his NMC waved. But that's far from the only stories in the league. It's been a nutty week. You want some quick hits? Yeah, uh, it was fun. It was a lot better than the trade deadline. So let, let's yeah. let's start by staying with the Avs. Alan Heppel was uh, formerly... Uh, with with the abstract amateur scouting, he's now doing pro scouting work with the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, meanwhile, Colorado hired Jamie Porter from the Edmonton Oil Kings for an amateur scouting role. And I don't know if we know anything other than the track record of the Edmonton Oil Kings is pretty good. Yeah, I think I think it's good. It's um, they needed somebody to backfill for the OHL, like the area scout, and um. You don't know a ton about him, but there's a little bit online. It seems like he'll fit in with the Avs, and um, I kind of like taking guys that have been like assistant GMs and junior. Like they, they're so well aware of the talent pool in that that area. Like I think he worked for the Swift Current Broncos for like 15 years or something. So just someone very well versed in in that area of the world, I'm sure will be fine. And I. <laughs> I think it was an interesting that Heppel got a job in pro scouting. Um, and you sort of wonder if that maybe was the glass ceiling he was hitting with the Avs, that he wanted to uh, move up into the pro ranks, because um, you know, that, that is considered slightly, I don't know, more important than the amateur side, um, just in day-to-day operations and whatnot. And, you, or was you know, it Avs- kind of what's available? Because it's not like a head scout those openings are plentiful. 
Right. Like I'm, I'm sure he could have been an area scout easily, but you know, how many organizations out there would have maybe made him a head scout? I don't know. Right. I mean, I, I, I think if he wanted to move into pro scouting with the abs, it would, there was nothing that would be anything more than a sideways or perhaps downgrade move. Um, and probably even though being a, a pro scout with Arizona is, is, you know, may, maybe not even sideways, you know, it still is a, an important role with that team. And it's, you know, it's something to grow and, and put on his resume and move on with his career. It, my initial reaction was, is he going to collect all the guys that, you know, like he drafted in the abs, forgot about. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Yeah. Because that's what pro scouts do is there's they're looking at the NHL guys, but they're also looking at all the drafted guys. So all the ones that went through all the drafts that Heppel was in charge of, he would have a pretty good feel for, you know, that age group that upset for like last five, six years of those drafted players that perhaps Arizona's going to be looking at and such. And of course, what I've seen said is that Heppel leaving the Avalanche was pretty much entirely performance related. And with, with the lack of success this team has had after the first round or two, <laughs> that's uh not hard to argue. Uh, <laughs> you know what I would say to that is maybe you should be looking at another department for some accountability. And that is a whole nother conversation. Yeah, um, no longer... we don't need to go down to right <laughs> it, now. And it's no, it is no longer a quick hit at this point. Um, so we'll, we'll go from a new scout to a team that doesn't really hire scouts. Uh, Pierre Maguire is now the vice president of player development for the Ottawa Senators. Woohoo! Which is kind of funny. That's like a fake. I, I really wonder, is it like fake? Because you don't really have vice president of development. I don't know. Or you they just do don't know. make one. <laughs> <laughs> like some teams do have a really deep development department. It's interesting. Some of the better teams actually have their head amateur scout as vice president in front office. I mean, funny how that works. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to imagine what he's going to do over there, but good luck. Tell you what he's not going to do is be on TV. <laughs> Which is the best part. Yes, so Stoked. thank you. Let's go. Uh, Duncan Keith was traded to the Edmonton, Edmonton Oilers for a second, and Caleb Jones. That that's the, that's the deal. There's no retention. There's no other picks going to Edmonton. That's uh, it, just Edmonton being Edmonton. It's just... as. You know, Chicago was in a tough spot because they didn't want to protect him and um, they wanted to protect the younger defenseman. Like, you just knew it. You knew that Chicago had to get rid of him. And it, it's just it's funny that like, the Oilers were a buyer of one. And Pretty much. Chicago yeah. was able to get what they wanted back for him. And, and then the other defenseman that moved, you just like, yeah. <laughs> Because Keith, you could have done. Because he wanted to go west, right? Yeah, that too. I think his son plays in Canada, so basically it was like perfect for him that he could even be in Canada, wouldn't have to worry if there's still any border issues, etc., and see his son. So just kind of like, well, <laughs> this is where he wants to go, and yet Edmonton still paid up. Because like Vancouver can't afford you, so they're out. Um, Calgary. I, who knows what Calgary's doing? Edmonton's pretty much it. 
And you can't get yeah. retention or a pick? Okay. Ken Holland, y'all. Here come the yeah. The funny thing was how exuberant the mainstream hockey media was about this trade, and then as the week went on and there were more trades, they were just kind of like, oh. I'm just going to not talk about that anymore. Now, everyone's yeah. favorite angle on this is, is how much money it saves Daryl Cates. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, and it's also just the old tired of, like, Hall of Famer, you know, won the cup, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you really think that's what the Oilers need more of? It sure is their brand. <laughs> They're just so old school. It's just... The only way this could be more on brand for the Oilers is if he had won a cup with the Oilers. <laughs> no, if he had played junior in uh, the Oil Kings yeah, there you or go. something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, good luck, Edmonton. Let's talk about a weird one. Uh, Andrew Ladd was traded to the Arizona Coyotes alongside two seconds and a third in exchange for nothing. <laughs> Not a conditional that'll never be met. Not future considerations, except for that that's what Cap Friendly put into their database, but that's not what they tweeted. Just straight up nothing. <laughs> that's a Here thing. You, are. you could do that. Yeah. Oh, the good old cap dump, right? <laughs> I kept up with no return. Not even a bag return. of bucks or a ham sandwich. I know. What on <laughs> earth? They send them back a cactus or something, right? <laughs> And I love that the, the third is conditional on uh, playing. Rad, yeah, playing games in 2022-23, I think. NHL games. <laughs> yes. It's one. Like, yeah. one is pretty easy it's to... One. <laughs> one is pretty easy to just, you know, <laughs> let's fabricate, right? Like, roll them out. Mm -hmm. Like, one's pretty easy to satisfy. Should have been at least, like, ten, you know? Like... <laughs> Come on, you could play anyone for one game. <laughs> and and to one get of your third round pick. And and then one of those seconds is whichever is better of the Islanders and the Avs seconds next season. So Arizona will be rooting against Colorado. And I, and I think the one they got this year was ours. So this literally was the Taze picks that they had to use to get rid of Lad. Yep, pretty much. So, and yes, I, it is true. You can get rid of anything in the NHL. It's just a matter of how much you want to pay for it. I guess, theoretically, this would fall under Heppel's purview. Um, so, you know, you could call this his first trade. <laughs> hmm, I guess I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know if it was his idea. Maybe he just had to tell him Lad doesn't completely suck. I don't know. One, but yeah, the good old fun capped up. I think we're gonna see a few more if, if Seattle has any money left to take on cap dumps. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll just go shopping and spend it all. Why would you take on a cap dump? Like, I wouldn't. I guess not. Not with the options of useful NHL players that might be overpaid, but a lot, a lot better than you're gonna get from a cap dump. Well, and Andrew Ladd is owed, I think, uh, something like eleven or twelve million dollars against the cap in the next two seasons, and he's already been paid a bunch of that in signing bonus for this season. So Arizona saves more money there. If you know you're gonna suck, I mean, you may as well. Yeah. Get a, get a hell of a lot of picks out of it. Um. It. Yeah. It's interesting. I. You know. Again, with nothing going back the other way, you you, you wouldn't think that, that you could do this, but apparently you, you still can. One million years ago, 
Zach Parise and Ryan Suter signed identical deals together with the Minnesota Wild team that then complained about how poor they were and helped drive a lockout. They've now been bought out together. <laughs> There's going to be a three-year span where those guys take up 10 to $14 million of dead cap for Minnesota, so that's a yike, eh? <laughs> yeah, this is interesting because... Yeah, I mean, like, you can see buying out Parisi because he sucks. You know, I mean, it's like he's totally done. Except but against Suter... Colorado. <clears throat> he still yeah, wins games I, by know... himself against Colorado. Right. I mean, he has a good game here and there. But... I think he had a pretty big goal against Vegas, the Vegas series. But yeah, yeah. Like, like, they were scratching him. I, I think he had COVID and they just kind of, like, forgot to use him for, like, three weeks after that. He was out for, like, over a month and he kind of was like, yeah, I was feeling better. <laughs> like they just kind of forgot to, <laughs> to start using him again. Like, yeah, you could see the writing on the wall there. And the suitor one, you knew they had to do something because they talked for so long that they they wouldn't be able to protect Dumba, and they really tried to find a trade. But I just think they they didn't want to dump him. Like they were trying to find a good old quote unquote hockey trade, and it just wasn't there. So and they just finally made the decision that they'd rather have Dumba and. I don't think that's necessarily the wrong call, but it is pretty shocking to do that to their cap. And also it's not like Suter was, wasn't useful anymore. And so that, that, that part is just to, to screw themselves for three years. Like they get relief for one year and then the next three, they don't, they don't get any. And Suter's going to be playing on another team. Hell of a thing. Yeah, I mean, Suter's actually still useful. I mean, you, you I don't, it, it's it's very conceivable that in the next year or two that's going to drop off a lot, but it may not. Um, it's, so just it's just like, couldn't they have asked him to wait for the Seattle? Seattle, and then he probably said no. <laughs> well, the report is they never really talked to him about it, but yeah, they're, know, they're, they're, right the, the behind the now. scenes on this one is hilarious. Like every step of the way on it's hilarious. Like there, Suter seems to yeah, be totally blindsided it, by it like it was the shock. possibility. Like no one even ever talked to him about what what the options are. But which, which means that probably and then the, he hung the, up on Bill Guerin when he was being told he was being bought out. <laughs> yeah, let me let's, let me finish the story. Just, I'm sure everyone's already heard it, but I want to tell it anyway because it's a good story. So I mean, if if he doesn't know that a buyout's on the table, then you can't have tried to convince him too hard to waive his NMC. And then Garen tried to call him to tell him he was being bought out, and he didn't answer the phone. But Parisi called to tell him that he'd been bought out, and Suter does answer the phone, is trying to make him, you know, try, try and help his buddy feel better about it, and then sees that he had a missed call from the GM himself. Calls him back, discovers he's been bought out, and hangs up on the dude. Like, what a day. <laughs> I've had some bad days, but that's a pretty bad day. Uh, yesterday, we had a three-way between Vegas, Nashville, and Philadelphia involving Cody Glass, Nolan Patrick, Ryan Ellis. Um, this was a yeah, this was a thing that happened. To me, this was the craziest one, and and just to kind of set it up for anybody that wasn't around yesterday, that you know had a life or something wasn't just on the internet. It was like there was one trade that went through before the one p.m. Tr- freeze deadline, and you're like, oh, is the one we'll get to the Arizona san jose goalie trade and you're like okay you know what else could there be and then you hear one more trade you're like okay that that was the last one and they just kept coming and coming like every five to ten minutes as the trade calls went through and you're like holy cow what 
<laughs> where did all these come from? Like, there weren't even rumors for some of the stuff. It was just like, oh, by the way, this guy got traded. Oh, by the way. It was like, wow. And it went on until for like an hour and a half. But anyway, so this is one of the shocking ones. That Ryan Ellis, like, we knew Philly was going to be pretty aggressive looking for a defenseman. Like, they were pretty interested in Seth Jones if he'd come with an extension. And they'd heard Nashville's pretty much ready to mix things up but it that's a pretty big trade and for it to just come out of nowhere like that at, at a deadline and uh, Nashville protected five defensemen anyway so it's almost it's not necessarily something they had to do right away but I guess the big one was is that they got Phil Myers back from Philly and Philly was going to leave him unprotected like I like Myers a lot he, he's back from the old Husky glory days and he's a good defenseman but it it's pretty surprising that the return was only Myers and Patrick for Ryan Ellis like I think a lot of teams are probably a little bit surprised at that one and then Nolan I mean, Patrick ends up with Vegas right? Patrick or um and then they so it was Nashville and then Nashville flipped Patrick to Vegas for Cody Glass. So I like Glass better than Patrick. So I think Nashville upgraded in that area a little bit, but they're taking on a lot of risk to only get uh, Phil Myers and Cody Glass for Ryan Ellis, I think. So yeah, wasn't I mean, he like their fran- one of their franchise defensemen? Like, <clears throat> it's hard to believe those were the best. And maybe sometimes our perception of a guy's value doesn't match reality when you're just kind of like, why Why did they do that trade? You know, maybe that was the best they could get. Mm-hmm. Well, and Nashville also sold Arvidsson to the Kings earlier this year, and they're leaving Duchesne and Johansson unprotected. Theoretically, you know, their top center and, and whatever Duchesne is. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of blowing it up. They need they to. They definitely are. They need to, badly. Yeah. Um, one kind of trend that we're noticing this year, with with the first expan with the, with the Vegas expansion, a lot of teams made like made mistakes to give Vegas players <laughs> to protect other players. Uh, this year teams are giving are are kind of they're not necessarily not doing that. It's that the moves aren't with Seattle. It's that they're with other teams. Um, Pitts- Pittsburgh was worried about losing Jared McCann. So they traded under the Leafs for a prospect in the seventh, for example. I'm interested to see at the end of the day what side deals there are, but it, it definitely seemed like GMs learned it's better to get an asset for a guy you think you're going to lose rather than give Seattle assets to keep the guy you think you're going to lose. Right. Like theoretically, the Avs could have given Seattle something just to take Donskoy if that was their ultimate goal. Or comfort, or, or to not take Graves, like it probably would right, or or whatever play. you know, whatever their goal no. is, they could have fulfilled it by giving Seattle something. But um, they went, you know, they they went independently of dealing with Seattle and accomplished probably the same thing, um, and and probably are going to be a lot better off asset wise. I mean, I'm glad that that's the route the Avs took, rather than what it would have taken to make a deal with Seattle for sure. Right. The New York Rangers 
traded a seventh for Barclay Goodrow and started talking about extending him until the heat death of the universe and then left him unprotected. I'm confused. <laughs> I mean, maybe that was the leak so he wouldn't get, you know, wouldn't sign with Seattle. It was like, hey, Rangers might get me six years. Maybe I'm good with that. Hey, the whole Barkley Goodrow thing since he was traded from San Jose has just confounded me. I mean, for a first. Like, because I've. <laughs> I mean, you know, Jackie and I watched him play with the the Sharks minor league team for a while, and it's like when he was traded, you're like that guy. I mean, so what? And then you know, suddenly he's this Tom Wilson Jr., and now he's getting traded to the Rangers, and they want to extend him for seven, eight years or whatever it is. And you're just like, this is Barkley Goodrow. I mean, it's like guys like this grow on trees. It's just a weird one. I've, I've, I'll never get this one. And it's what people do for leadership and cups. It's it. Those guys' value just gets so inflated. If the Avs ever do win, it'll be amazing what they can sell their spare parts for. It's true. <laughs> um, it's like the best value program you can come up with. But to go quickly, go back to that McCann one. That one was just so odd because it seemed like Pittsburgh just pretty much sold McCann for nothing. I mean, it, to get an old prospect they had back, which was late second round pick, like he hasn't even played in North America yet. It was a prospect that they originally traded for for uh, Kapanen. So you think, boy, you know, tr- okay, this is genius Dubas again, right? Like he, he fleeced Pittsburgh and then they leave him unprotected. So it seemed like Toronto made this great deal. Everyone was surprised, like, all, all it took was this former pick that they traded away, which was a late second round. It was actually taken with the Avs pick they got in the Duchesne trade. Fun fact. But um, it just seemed like very low return for a guy that's never even played in North America for somebody that's on a pretty decent trajectory, probably useful NHL player. So everyone was like, Toronto's genius. What? What a great return. And then they turn around and leave him unprotected. So it's kind of like they just make a trade with Pittsburgh knowing they could get this guy for cheap and then just expose him so that none of their players were taken. Or you know, it, it seems like some deep thinking that we're not privy to and we'll see how it all works out. But it's just funny how they were just applauded for this great trade. They got such great value. And then they then they're turning around and they're gonna lose that guy for free anyway yeah the brain's a little galactic on that one um we well, made... oh, they were they were worried about losing kerfoot and so it, by getting mccann they, they'll only lose one of those two guys if that indeed is what get... seattle Wait, wants to do i thought they if were that's... chill with losing kerfoot no they don't want to lose kerfoot but they could really benefit from losing that cap i don't, I don't understand yeah it I don't know. Would that be the I, only I get, way to replace That's just him? what I saw on the internet, so it might not <laughs> I, be true. I know. That could be a reason. Like, they know they'll lose one of the two, so then now they, they're they guaranteed to have one of them left. What if they but... don't? What if, what if Seattle takes someone else? I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true, too. It, it just seems weird to go out and trade for somebody that you're trying to lose. I don't know. It, it's it's not yeah, like that would be the I, only way that they could replace Kerfoot if he's the one taken. So I, I think the mainstream analysis comes down to whatever it's the Leafs, it's a good trade. 
I just think it's funny because because it seemed like such a good trade. Like like maybe mm-hmm. the abs should have done it because we kind of had like let's say in theory, I don't know what it would taken from from us because clearly Toronto had the player that Pittsburgh wanted. So would it have taken our second? And maybe I'd say maybe not, but we kind of had an open forward protection spot since that just went to O'Connor. Like we could even have been in on trying to get one of these better forwards that got traded around. Just weird stuff. Very strange yeah. series of events. Um, we alluded to it earlier. Uh, San Jose and Arizona swap goalies. Aiden Hill and Yosef, I'm so sorry, Coronage, something like that. San Jose did protect Aiden Hill, but Arizona did not protect Coronage. Uh, kind of the whole reason they made that deal was because they needed a goalie to leave unprotected because otherwise they were going to lose Darcy Camper. Yeah, this one right. makes sense. It, it's satisfying. Kind of. Like, it kind of I, makes sense. I guess you wonder, is San Jose planning to start Hill? They don't think he's waiver exempt, so if you're kind of bothering. But then again, you know, Cornach is waiver exempt, so you're trading a guy that you could have put back in the minors for a guy that you can't. You know, are you pretty much committing to keeping him? But obviously Arizona did it because they didn't want to lose... They had to make a choice between Hill and Kemper. They probably would have lost the one that they left unprotected. And now they might lose Coronash just because he is a waiver exempt goalie and that should be pretty attractive for Seattle because that's that's an asset they can keep. They don't have to worry about waivers and can put them in their minors. There's not a lot of young assets available in the expansion draft. That's, that's kind of the one downside if you want to look at it from the, that perspective. It's... You know, everyone loves all the sort of aging past prime talent, um, but it's really hard to find young talent in these expansion drafts. And when you do find something like Coronash, that, that, that can be very attractive. Yeah, they're, I think they're going to go more for that middle, like the 25, 24, 25 range, because yeah. right, almost everybody still on an ELC will be exempt because of the they won't have three professional seasons. So all those right. guys won't be taken. But it's just, I think it's the, the kind of that middle group where maybe they have some NHL experience. Um, maybe they still have some upside left and they're not expensive. I don't think that's necessarily a bad talent pool to choose from. I think that's how Vegas got some of their wins was taking from that middle group as well. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't do the whole roster like that, but it, I think they should definitely consider taking um, anyone they find in that age group and, and looking hard at it. What I'm what I'm confused a little bit with on Arizona's angle on this, I'm trying to check something real quick. Is uh, I don't think there's any reason to think that Arizona's going to keep Camper longer than next season. <laughs> like I'm, I'm yeah, pretty they, sure I'm, I'm trying to fe- remember where I've seen this, but I'm pretty sure it's been made public that Camper's not resigning with Arizona. So, well, they want to blow it up. Pretty much, they've just said literally everybody is available except Chikrin. So, so why do you care whether you lose Camper and, and, and Hill in that order or the other order? Because you want to get something for Camper. Like, say, supposedly the rumor was they were talking to the Avs. I forget what the other team was. Maybe it was Toronto. But then you want to move. You want to move both guys for assets. You don't want to lose them in the expansion draft. I mean, 
I, I guess you're going to move him at the entry draft then, because otherwise, like, you're not going to trade. Trading for a, a goal, like a starting goalie in the middle of the season is dooming that goalie to failure. Yeah, I mean, unless you have something like a case where your starter has been injured forever and is not coming back or something like that, you're really not going to have much of a market. Yes. You mean like what the abs always do? <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like that's why I say it's only kind of a win for Arizona because like you're going to lose Camper anyway. So, well, the other thing is they still need to you know play, and at this point they <laughs> they're they're kind of you know uh, Ranta is finally UFA, so you still need a goalie. <laughs> and it, and it would have been right. Aiden Hill. And you would have yeah, lost. Yeah, and he's gone. You you, you, you would have <laughs> lost some games, and it would have been fine. Right. Right. So they're they're like, moving to the central, so they're going to be terrible anyway. Yeah. Although you know, I mean, there's some terrible teams in the I central now too. Little, I, I I thought they were actually kind of getting better. It's a little weird to me that that they are just completely pulling the plug. I, I don't know. Guess we'll see how. I, many I mean, of I think they're having problems move. with retention. You know, if you have Kemper that's not going to resign, and Garland doesn't sound like he wants to be there anymore. I mean, they're um, pretty much kicking Garland out the door too. So, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I I think they will still try to trade Kemper, but at some point they do need to realize well who's going to actually be a net because they're going to need two guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least. Well, Carey Price was left unprotected for Montreal. Guess that we'll, one. Guess we'll see if Seattle are willing to pounce, pounce on on that contract. That one's a little I'm... bit of a galaxy brain, and I know Earl. You said they truly might not be that sad if they lose that contract, but that that's a big one. <laughs> it is, but <clears throat> I mean, if you look. <sighs> Everybody watched the Canadians in the playoffs and they were like, wow, Price is really <laughs> playing well. But it's like if you watched him during the regular season last year, like, oh, you know, it's like Jake Allen was definitely the better of the two goaltenders during the regular season. And I kind of get when you're an older goalie, um, you need to play a lot, but you can't play a lot for too many weeks. And that's why, you know, when he took a bunch of time off at the end of the season and then started the playoffs – you know, he had sort of that getting in a groove type of tempo and, you know, it, it, it wasn't open-ended like the regular season basically is. It wasn't six months of a grind. I mean, I think if you're looking at Carey Price, and, and this kind of happened the year before as well. It's like he was kind of during the regular season and had a great postseason. Um, that's kind of the opposite of what you want if you're Seattle, especially at that price tag. And I understand he he's hard to move. Yes, like yeah, it's a lot. He, like even if you want, if you're ready to do that, one he has the no move clause. Two, you, you have to find somebody that's willing to take that on. So it's easier said than done. It this it seems almost like they know this could be a good fit for him because isn't he or his. His wife, his family is from Washington. I don't know what what other ties he has. I know he played junior there too, and everything. So it almost seems like they kind of decided he'd be comfortable with that. I think any of these big guys, big ticket guys that were left unprotected, that the teams are willing to live with them going. It's just a little bit of a shock. They're willing to let them go for nothing. Mm-hmm. Like 
Right. I mean, Montreal's he, ready to let him go for absolutely nothing. I'm, but it, but that's not necessarily the calculus because they would be letting him go for ten million dollars in cap space. <laughs> right. And it's like they're looking yeah. at so much dead cap space because Weber's off. You know, he he's basically never going to play again. Um. So it's like he. They have a lot of cap space tied up in, in maybe areas they don't need it to be, especially kind of with the team they have. Um, so, you know, as much as, as Carey Price is, is done for them in the last two playoff seasons, he hasn't done a lot during the regular season. And, you know, he's going to be very expensive for, you know, a bunch more years. I think they are. I think Seattle should think about it, though, because they kind of saw what Flurry has done for Vegas. And maybe you need to start a franchise with that kind of goaltender. Now, maybe that, maybe they have to decide between that and then signing Dre, as I say his name, Dreger from Florida. Yeah. Maybe you don't do both because if you take Carey Price, you're probably looking for the absolute cheapest backup. Maybe you could take the Kakanen from Minnesota and probably get away with him as your backup for pretty cheap. Yeah, probably. Well, I mean, if you take Price, you're going to need a backup that can play 30, 40 starts. Yeah, well, I think think Kacken is okay for that. Carey Price, last season, he's 33-year-old season. In 25 games, he put up a 901 save percentage in the regular season. And that sounds good compared to what he looked like. (laughs) I don't know. It sounds pretty rancid. I just think they're going to think about it because... They are going to need some big names. Now, they also have those, some other options for big names. Well, let's, look know, at, Tarasenko, let's look a little if, bit more on Carey Price's history before we get to Tarasenko. Because um, he had 901 this season. He had 909 the season before in 58 games. 918 in 2018-19, a 66-game campaign. That's, that's, that's pretty damn good. 900 yeah. the year before that. That's not so good. Um, yeah. What was Fleur? I I honestly don't know what. But wasn't Flurry kind of trending off? I mean, that's why they were getting rid of him. Yes, but I don't think he was in the barely in the nines area. Let me see. Uh, no, his last season in Pittsburgh, he put up a nine oh nine. Um, he had been nine fifteen, nine twenty, nine twenty one, nine oh nine, and then he went straight to Vegas. Went nine twenty seven, nine thirteen, nine oh five, nine twenty eight. Like it's pretty clear that he had a down season, <laughs> and, yeah. and went to Vegas on the back of it. Um, yeah. Carey Price is trending, so it's and makes about twice as much. Like it's just different, right? And and like like I was saying with Price, I don't think I think the problem is is like he can't play enough during the season to get into the tempo he needs to play well. You know, if he's taking every third or fourth game off, he's not going to have sort of that starter. You're playing a lot uh, kind of tempo to to a schedule. Um. And without, and if he does play that kind of tempo, then he breaks down physically. So it's, 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 I just, I don't know. I, I think I'd be very wary of that if I were Seattle. I mean, it, it does look like a good fit with his personality and his ties to the area, but it's just sort of, you know, the, the, the way his plays trending and, and his contract just says, nah. But you're right that, that uh, the Seattle do need, you know, stars to market. They they need reasons for people to come watch them play hockey, and maybe Vlad Tarasenko will be that guy. I think they might try to flip him just because it, it seems like there's interest, like he could get them some assets, but 
if they're not interested yeah. in some of these other guys like Johansson or Voracek, JVR, if they're not taking any of those, then maybe they should think about keeping Tarasenko and you could always move him later. Like if he look, if he starts the season and looks good, then he's going to be even more valuable. I wouldn't take that chance. I mean, I, I think he, he's a guy you take to flip right away before you find out what his shoulder looks like. <laughs> well, supposedly he has been better after the third surgery. So mm-hmm. it's it's not like he has had like no play since since going under the knife. I mean, we watched him for four games, and <laughs> yeah, and he was the only guy that showed up in game four. Remember, he scored two goals. Right, but it's like he was not. Like, but no, he's not. Like think, think of. Oh, he's he's got a lot of lost time to make up, and over the course of an eighty-two game season, by the time we get to the end of it, he may come alive. Listen, well, like his contract's yeah. a huge risk. It's just two more years. Mm-hmm. Some of these other longer-term guys, you definitely like be a little a bit more scared of getting <laughs> stuck with. It's, it's a risk I would definitely be interested in, but I don't know if it's the one I would yeah. take. But it's one I would really consider. Yeah, I mean, I I would hate it if the Avs traded for him, but uh, you know, I think for Seattle, it, it's you know, it's got its charm. So yeah, it's been a really nutty week. Everything has happened. Um, it does. It feels like ancient history. The McGuire signing, and that was this week. <laughs> like, god dang, it does. <laughs> um, that was like Monday, but yeah, that was. Uh... I know when you said that. It, <laughs> when you said that, I was like, that was this week. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, but it's not about to slow down. We're going to have a couple of days to breathe while Seattle works frenetically to make their picks. But coming up after that, we have the rest of the off season, more or less on Wednesday, the 21st, we learn who plays for the Seattle Kraken. Um, cause they, they do kind of strike me as a team poised to be good, especially because the Pacific sucks and easy to root for because of who's available and because of how they presented themselves. But since they play in the worst time zone, Pretty safe bet I won't be jumping ship anytime soon, uh, which I didn't realize yeah. was a pun until just now. Uh, the next day, the rest of the league roster freeze lifts, and then on Friday the 23rd, it's the NHL entry draft. The following Monday is the deadline to submit a qualifying offer to RFAs. Tuesday is a day to discuss offer sheets. Stop laughing. It's totally going to happen this time for real. GMs are not cowards. How dare you insinuate? Finally, that'll be Land Landeskog Defcon Day as well. Yeah, yes. Oh boy! And finally, yeah. July twenty eighth, it's free agency. That was the entire off season in a week. We'll yeah. be back in your ears for our final off season show, barring shenanigans the weekend after that. And I sure hope we can find anything to talk about. <laughs> I hope I hope there's well more positive than negative. That's for sure. Yeah. I hope there's a good draft pick to talk about. I hope you know, if they sign Landy, that'd be lovely. If they didn't have to make any dumb moves, that'd be nice too. They could sign a car. Th- that would be welcome as well. They've, they've said it's their priority. They pretty much need to have one, bare, bare, bare minimum. One of Grubauer, Makar, Landy signed by our next show if they don't boy it's gonna be tough to feel positive about the offseason <clears throat> so the with the draft coming up um over the weekend we'll have colorado now with 
their their first, their third, their seventh, and the Islanders second, which is at the end of the second round. So and one spot ahead of where they would have picked with their second if they had kept it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah, it's not, not a I lot mean... of picks, but it's a couple of them in high leverage areas at least. Any, uh, but it, it, this is going to be a really interesting draft. Is basically what I'm trying to say here because, like, we 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 don't have a spot toward the top, so you're not going to get one of the obvious best players available. But with the with the last year that we've had with COVID making everything wacky in the amateur leagues, just like the pro leagues, like man, this is a tough draft to know anything about. <laughs> I don't feel like there's a lot of OHLers in our area. Maybe that's also because nobody really had had a season where, say, a second or third rounder got that that wind to get up into the first round. So I don't foresee the Avs options being that different. It seems like a lot of either Q players, USHL, or haha Europeans. They actually do it. I doubt it. So, so look at USHL or the Q because that's probably their talent pool. Any but ideas? I that's... But I think it's fine. Like Baron was basically taken in the same area, and I think we're all pretty positive of the season that he had and how he's looking. So I think they'll still get a good player there. And their third is the end of the third, so getting an end of the second is definitely puts them in a different area of the draft. I hope they keep that pick. Now, they'll only have a few days to get rid of it, so maybe by accepting in 2021, they are willing to make that pick, but we'll see. I think it's definitely on the block if if they find um, a suitable deal out there because I don't think they're going to fill all these holes in free agency. That goes against everything the Avs have been doing because there's the free agency tax and everything. Like, if you're not going to sign land, you're going to go out and sign the second uh you know like zach hyman to an eight-year deal or something no or can't do eight but seven year deal no come on does that sound like what the abs would do just go out and sign the next best guy for seven years for a ton of money i don't know like i think they it wouldn't trading it wouldn't be a terrible fit The, the money would be a terrible fit but the player wouldn't be a terrible fit yeah i think he would fit what they do too but i just can't see them then go out and Give him six by seven or something. And they're just they're just not willing to pay that UFA tax. They never have been. Which is fine. I think that's yeah. I think that's why they don't have terrible contracts, is because they haven't done it. And, well, and plus you're you're kind of moving from core player to you know a, a level slightly below that in what you're looking for. I mean you're not gonna replace Landy, like you're not gonna find, you know, a, a top flight left wing like Landeskog in free agency. And, and they've, they've filled a lot of holes the last few years of trades, and they've, they've been good trades. But like I've been saying, you know, the, the assets are dwindling. Like we, we need two seconds for Taze. We need a second and third for Burkowski. Like these things are gone now. So now you're going to have to start trading players. And once those guys are gone, the abs are going to be pretty barren. So you know, maybe not a pun. Don't trade Baron. We like him, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it that that part concerns me. Like, I think they can find good trades. It's just how many more of them are they going to really be able to pull off? They could trade Travis Baron. <laughs> That'd be all right. Yes. 
yeah, if <laughs> yeah, until he doesn't get his qualifying option. <laughs> <laughs> Which we'll also um. find out this week. So if you're if you're a little bit out of breath from everything that's gone on this week, boy, get ready. So are we? Yeah. yeah the just... abs have, you know, the, the abs don't have a lot of RFAs this year that, that really matter. Um, they, Ta- they've got Timmons and Joe's basically, um, McCarr. as far as NHL players. McCarr. Oh well, yeah. We don't th- we don't think of him as just an RFA. Oh, but yeah. he is. He is an but, RFA. But yes. Yeah, he. They definitely have to do something with him, and then hopefully get a few easy ones done. Yeah, they'll, and, they'll, they're working to get him signed. I'm sure they'll have a qualifying offer in for Joe's. They'll probably have a qualifying offer in for Kiefer Sherwood. Um, oh yeah, like Gil. I think Gilbert too. Like any of those guys that are RFAs, those, those are easy ones for the Abs to keep. They typically will keep those guys. So like Sherwood and Gilbert, I think are two that are pretty safe bets. After Which that, all you've really got left is Travis Barron, Ty Lewis, um, Peyton, Peyton Jones, and Adam Werner. Werner and Jones. Yeah. yeah. I think the big one is going to be Werner. Is probably going to be the toughest decision. I just don't think there's room for him after you sign Trent Minor and JoJo and you still still have Miska. Like, <laughs> unless they figure yeah, I mean, out. I, I mean, I think they'll, I think they'll qualify him, and maybe he won't play in North America this year. Um, that could be fair. Like they already told him, like if you play in Sweden, we'll just qualify. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. There was a, there was an interview he did, but all the Swedes have figured it out. A lot of the Swedish articles are under paywall, so <laughs> don't know what he said in it. But I have seen there was an article of him pretty much talking about his future. So that's funny. Yeah. yeah and I mean, if you think about it, you know, with with Miska being sort of a, a block right now. Um, it isn't a great year unless they find some way to get rid of Miska. But uh, you know, you could you could have Werner come back next year. You know, if if, if Frank is gone and Miska is gone, that that sort of opens up some holes. So yeah, I think he'd be a guy that'd be worth it to keep in the organization. And if you know, if you have to send him to Europe to to find a place to play, then then so be it. I guess that's fair. Like they did it with Kamina. They even did it with Boykov. So. Why not? Why close the door entirely? So, I could yeah. I could see that. That is sort of like a happy medium. But Davs are gonna have to fill a few holes. Like they're gonna have to fill defensemen. They're gonna have to fill whatever gets taken from Seattle. You know, hopefully you don't have to fill Landy. But even if he comes back, you have to fill Sod. So I I think they're gonna have to make some shrewd decisions here. Like. Like we were saying before the show, I hope they kind of wait through the first wave of free agency and get some of these deals that other teams seem to be able to do. Like the abs want to be done by like noon on the first day. And it's like, no, just maybe this is the year you wait and see what what bargains you can get. Yeah. And I, I think they're signing a veteran defenseman of some sort is probably in the cards. Hopefully sort of north of, of Nemeth's talent level. Right, um, like, I want them to not be so good that they are a blocker for Byram, but I, they have to be, like, decent enough to be better than Nemeth, right? So Right. Uh... <laughs> well, it's like, I mean, with, with EJ being a question mark perpetually and, and losing Graves, you kind of need somebody that's able to do something, you know, that a veteran defenseman does. And, and I'm okay with that, but it's just, 
you know, you, 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 can't, you can't make it a binky, you know? If it was a right-hander, because then that's kind of EJ insurance, and then when he goes down, you're not stuck with one right-hander, which is Makar. I know Timmons yeah. is an option, but I just don't see them right regularly planning to play both Byram and Timmons. Like, if Timmons would be good to flip for something good that they don't have to go out and overpay for. But if he's still here, like, he's obviously still a very useful player. It's just, I'd feel better if it was a a, a right-hander because a left-hander, then you immediately have questions of, is Byram actually going to play? And that's not good. Yeah, and if Timmons could step right into sort of a penalty killer role, um, you know, that'd be great. But obviously that's, I mean, he, you know, he did some, he wasn't terrible at it, but um, that's, that's really not what he's great at. And he didn't, you know, he doesn't have enough experience, I, I think for the, the staff to trust him there. So it, it's like it, you're heading for having to sign somebody and, and hopefully that's not like an Ian Cole level signing. It's, it's, you know, somewhere between one and 2 million for an older guy on a one-year deal. We could have definitely yeah, used one more of those bodies this season. Yeah. To keep them from having to play uh, certain players that they shouldn't have had to play. Um, anyway. Right. It's a, it's, there's just a lot happening, and I'm glad that it's not my job to do all these things in a week, because I don't know when you do things <laughs> like eat or... <laughs> well, I know. It's just you have to be prepared, right? Because technically the... Our office has done nothing since the trade deadline. I think it's funny when people, you know, you see questions on Twitter and it's like, why hasn't such they and such graves. team? Well, I know what I'm saying. Like <laughs> people say, why does such and such team, you know, not doing anything? And people say, well, they're a little busy with the Stanley cup. It's like, those guys aren't <laughs> their players or coaches are it, the front office is busy with the Stanley cup. Hell no. They're just sitting in the suite watching. So <laughs> Well, I do think you, you, when you have a compressed week like this, uh, it, it it's harder for an, an organization like the Avalanche to handle just because they're more of a, a mom and pop level um, organization where, you know, they have fewer guys and everybody does a few jobs. Whereas like, you, you know, someone like Toronto where, you know, they have 6,000 people in the front office and everybody has like a really micro job. Um. You know, it, I, I I think they'll do fine with it. It's it's not as hard as it sounds, but it just you know you got to do it, and it's not a lot of time. Well, there's a lot of dominoes. I'm sure they're very prepared. I'm sure they have Plan B, C, contingency plans, like list of the guys that they're interested in. But it is a lot of domino falling. I don't know. It's it's tough to predict something like this, just because Jackie's right. It, a lot of dominoes do have to fall, and it, it, it's it's something so league wide that it, it, you really can't there's too many variables to really figure it out way too many even within the team there's just too many yeah so if uh Jackie ever returns yes there we go yeah. awesome <laughs> uh, we we were just agreeing with you about all the dominoes and stuff yeah just I don't know if you got the part where I said, well, who Seattle might take could be somebody the abs are interested in and they can deal with them. Then they have to see what, what gets, how much caps taken from them and what roster positions are open. Just a lot of options. And that's why just the scary thing is the abs are going to kind of need a lot 
so we'll probably be talking about like three, four, five different things that'll probably happen within the next week that really do impact them pretty significantly. Yep. So hopefully everybody is prepared to, I don't know, just run around in circles and pull their hairs out until Gabe Lamb's got signed. <laughs> That'd be easy, you know. Can we just not have drama for once? We just things happen normally. I like that the draft is in there this next weekend, and and that can kind of take your mind off that kind of thing for at least a few hours. Well, the, the first round can. The second round will take your take your mind directly onto anything else to think about because, ugh. <laughs> I think they knew it was so it was so bad. I, I think they told them this year they're not waiting on TV for them for them to get on TV to make the picks. That was just inexcusable that it took freaking what 10, 12 hours on day two. <laughs> just it was a, it was disastrous. It was it was a, it, it was, was. Ca- catastrophic and terrible and horrible. Yeah. It was like uh, every Zoom call that you have hated being on, imagine doing that for 12 <laughs> hours. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like make your pick, especially in the second round. Because when I was at the draft a few years ago, it was interesting to see the pace. Like the second round, teams are ready. Like they knew who they wanted. They pretty much had it down probably between a couple. So that went pretty quick. Like the second round, they were ready to roll. And then it got slower and slower as the draft went on. I would almost thought it was the opposite. Like second round picks are more important. But no. The, the later it got, the more the, they pretty much just like sat around and hemmed and hawed over it. And it, then when some teams start taking timeouts, it's like, it's the seventh round, guys. Just, <laughs> there's not much to discuss. <laughs> you know, I would be facing away from my camera, facing toward a TV that's on camera, playing Mario Kart when my time came. Just be like, oh, are y'all ready for me? Because Yeah, I remember left. I think it was Florida took a timeout at like pick two fifteen. It was like really, oh. really. <laughs> like, like you're trolling at this point. Come on, come on, guys. <laughs> Director of scouting's in the can. <laughs> it's like, do you really need a suggestion from everybody at the table? Two suggestions minimum. <laughs> so yeah, like I said, uh, we'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks. That's the week of the weekend of August first. What what day of the week is August first? Computer, tell me. Sunday. Um, so either the, either the 31st or the 1st, I don't think we really know for sure yet, um, but we will by then. And, uh, that's when we will wrap up all of this, everything and whatever it is and whatever it means and stuff. Yeah. See you then. I, I didn't just drop right now at the very end, did I? No, I think it was Jackie. <laughs> okay, good. <sighs> Glad it wasn't me. <laughs> Still annoyed that it happened. Glad it wasn't me. <laughs> but on that note, yeah, it's going to be a tough week, and 